It's This Week in Bourbon, and Ryan's saying it's time to shake it off. Here's your headlines for January 26, 2024. The Craft Spirits Data Project has now released its 2023 data. New Rift Distilling has announced a head distiller, and Green River Distilling will release its highly anticipated Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another This Week in Bourbon, and it's still the very beginning of the year. So what am I shaking off? Because, remember, this is the year of Taylor. Oh God. And we are oh. going to open up every single one this year with Taylor Swift quotes, oh. as long as as long as you can handle it. Jeez, that's I, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. We, three weeks in, I'm done. Oh, buddy, it's going to keep going. We're, we were having this conversation with Tiffany, and I, I think it was, yeah, it was actually last night because my daughter just, like, she's just all in on Taylor Swift, and my wife's like, you know you don't have to be just like everyone else. There's other musicians. There's other stars. It's not, you don't have to be a Swifty. It's pop music. I mean, People they're attracted so to there, pop music. I mean, there's, a, there's like a group me between, like, the, the moms at our school and all they talk about is like 
Taylor Swift stuff now, and it's like driving my, my wife crazy. Oh, She's like, she just doesn't. Want, she just wasn't want to fall out the crowd. I get it, but yep. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like why well, you like bands before they go big. I know, and I'm sure at one and, point, and if why she... I don't like honey finished whiskey, and <laughs> maple <go>. finished shit. <laughs> but you, you can't deny it. She's America's sweetheart. Yep. That's what it comes down. And Americans are stupid. No, uh, don't you start. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't you start. You just alienated 100 percent of our audience. Right I know. There. Americans <laughs> came up with bourbon. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Uh, and so you just heard another, some smart ones. Yeah, you know, we just heard another voice right there so i want to introduce somebody that's going to be helping us doing this week in bourbon this week we got matt cusick matt how you doing hey there guys long time listener first time caller thanks for having me you know one of my favorite intro questions if i can just hijack right away yeah might as well uh, please do I, I'm what was your first concert what was your first concert i always love this question because some people are like super ashamed of what their first concert was and oh, other no. people are like super proud i will oh, tell you exactly. ashamed i mine was teenage mutant ninja turtles well if you're not counting like an, yeah. See, I wouldn't count that because yeah. it's a, it might a child. Me. It's a, it's a. I mean, like my daughter, we took her to JoJo Siwa, and that was a real concert, right? It's still a real concert. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty embarrassed, but I'm pretty sure mine was like New Kids on the Block. <laughs> oh, yeah. wow, that is embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> like you, I think I went with like my, the posters on the wall. I went with like my cousins or something, and yeah, I bet like, you did. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I was like seven or eight. I it was 13, 13 year old I, did the, I did do the Teenage Mutant. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, v- vaguely. Was that just for the first one or did they do one for the second one uh i can't remember fun fact kevin nash the wrestler was super shredder yes was it really yeah my god i mean where else are you gonna get a seven foot tall guy that can throw around turtles but uh, yeah mine was bb king so oh that's actually kind of cool yeah right (laughs) no way goes to bb king for the first one (laughs) i did in wabash indiana home of the first electric street light and an elephant that went on a rampage named modok i think or something like that man alive the amount of stories and stuff that you know i know (laughs) already regretting this i love it so anyway that anybody doesn't know matt has been a long time supporter of the show we actually just wrapped up doing another podcast that'll come out in a much later episode where we kind of do an analogy between bourbon and sneakerheads and it was uh it was very captivating but since he was here i was like hey you want to record this weekend bourbon for us or with us and he's like let's do it he did such a good job. We, we said, why don't you continue this on with us? <laughs> yeah. But notice I still haven't gone on a round table yet, which is the actual goal. You know, we'll <laughs> we'll sub you in at some point. Get us a Weber grill. And we'll get you <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll get we'll get to get your microphone. We got to get that. Everything like that. It's a whole big setup. Yeah. Well, I've Blake, seen Blake. Yeah, Blake uses a really Blake, great Yeah, microphone. you're right. Never mind. We, our standards really <laughs> I, I dropped recently. Yeah. So upcoming stuff for Ryan and I, we had a good time at the... Uh, oh yeah, Kentucky. Or sorry to say, the Louisville Bourbon Society. It's the Bourbon Society. The Bourbon Society. Two weeks ago, I had a great time with that. So thank you to them that and invited us out. We had a, a fantastic time. And if you are one of those societies and you want us, Ryan and I, to be able to present, feel free to shoot us a message. We're actually planning some stuff for like Paducah in the future and a few other different places. If it's in areas that were distributed, of course we're happy to do it. And if you're like, hey, we just want to have. Actually, I did one remotely last Saturday for the Whiskey Society that's actually based out of Lima, Ohio. And oh. so you can do these, we can do these Back remotely. Your roots. Yeah, well, into Ohio, yeah. I've actually got family in Lima of, of all things, but ended up able, actually be able to talk to them. So if even you wanted to do it remotely, of course, we'd be happy to do that as well. And then if you want to just learn more about Pursuit United, we keep talking about it. You want to try our products. If you're in Denver or Chicago, January 27th, the Winter Whiskey Tasting Festival is happening in both of those cities. If you are in the Ozarks area, Missouri, we will be at the, not we, but we will have ambassadors at the Whiskey and Wine Social on February 3rd. And then as well as if you are in Xenia, Ohio on February 10th, there's also a Winter Bourbon Bash happening there as well. Nice. 
Xenia. That's like a big, isn't that where a lot of farming equipment's made there or something? Uh, it's, I mean, it's a very rural place. It's a, very a lot of agriculture. It's I drive by there all the time going to Columbus, and you can see for miles. Yeah, that drive from Cincinnati to Columbus is brutal. It's just, it's flat. It's, it is, it's flat. But I mean, like I said, it's it's kind of crazy. It's like you look at it, and I used to have conversations with my daughter, be like, how far do you think that is? And she's like, I don't know, like 100 feet. And I was like, probably probably about right. Maybe give or take a few feet. So. Nailed it. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, well, give us some bourbon and bets action here, Ryan. Oh, yeah, we had another stellar week. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, flop, 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 flop. Last week I said the Ravens would win, which I was right about that, but I said the Texans recover, and they were nowhere close. I think it was like 38 to 10 or something. And then you had the Bills, which, man, I really wanted the Bills. I, 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 I like the Chiefs. I love our people in Kansas City, but I just feel so bad for Josh Allen. Like, I just want him to get over that hump and – Kansas City is just that nemesis like he can't get over. But uh, that's what I get for going against Taylor. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's pretty much what, I, what happens. Yep. And we are old enough to remember the four Bills Super Bowls. So it's almost like, you know, like the Cubs from Chicago. Yeah. So we got one more chance this week and because this is the, the conference championship. So you have the Chiefs at the Ravens. The Ravens are fa- favored by minus three and a half. And then you have... The NFC Championship is Detroit Lions, which is awesome. They haven't been there maybe ever, have they? And they're playing at the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are favored by seven and a half. Yeah. I mean, I would love to root for Detroit only because for Eminem. I don't know if you I don't know if you watched yeah. the hype video that came out for that. It was pretty tight. I was just like, oh man, does this bring you back to eight mile? Yeah. I you know, I want Detroit to win, but I also want like a I don't know, gosh. I'm I'm gonna take I'm taking the Ravens. I'm all in on the Ravens now. I think they're by far the best team out there. They have an incredible defense, incredible offense. So I'm gonna take the Ravens minus three and a half. So that leaves you with I'm picking take, either the Lions or the I, Niners. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Detroit. I'll go with the underdog this time. I'll see what happens. Yeah. Either way, it's gonna be a great Super Bowl. So, but let's go Ravens and go Lions. There we go. Well, let's go Maybe ahead. We'll hit one this week. Hey, covering a touchdown's a lot to ask. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is. sure is. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and dive in with some bourbon news. We don't have a ton of stuff to go through, but it's beginning of the year. So let's go ahead and get into it. So our first headline is that the 2023 Craft Spirits Data Project came out. And this is a first of its kind research initiative that aims to provide a solid and reliable fact base for evaluating performance and trends for U.S. craft spirits. And some here are the key findings and highlights that came from it. So the number of active craft distillers in the U.S. grew by 2.4% to reach a total of 2,000. 753 in August of 2023. And craft distillers are defined as licensed U.S. distilled spirits producers that make no more than 394,317 9-liter cases annually, which is a lot of cases, but that's still a big number, 2,700 craft distilleries across the U.S. Volume has reached over 14 million 9-liter cases in retail sales in 2022, growing at an annual rate of around 6%. In value terms, the market has reached around almost $8 billion in sales, growing at an annual growth rate of 5.3%. And craft spirits outperform the larger spirits categories in the U.S. market. And market share of total U.S. spirits maintain around a 5% share in volume and increased volume shares around 7.5% in 2022, up from another 7.5% in 2021. And the top five states by number of craft distilleries are California, 245, New York at 210, Texas at 163, Pennsylvania at 117, and Washington 
at 156. And they make up around 32.5% of the U.S. craft distilling universe. And then the next five states of Colorado, Michigan, North Carolina, Florida, and Oregon comprise an additional 18.5% of the market. The remaining states represent around 49% of the market. There's a lot of facts and figures. I'm trying I to wrap my head around it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little shocked, actually, that uh, Wisconsin was ranked higher because I feel like, at least by me, because I'm in Chicago and that's, you know, a lot of, the, you know, we have craft in Chicago, but it's not a ton of like really big names or like a ton of distilleries. But Wisconsin has like a bunch, like you have like Jay Henry and Driftless Glen. And I, I don't know if Dancing Goat would count in that. You know, It probably does. I, I would imagine a lot of these, even us, probably falls into the, the lump sum of what they yeah, consider I would craft. So if not, I'm really scared. Yeah. Because <laughs> if it doesn't count NDPs, then shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine of, it probably does. Yeah. So it's exciting, but also concerning because all the, you know, all those brands need shelf space and this, you know, but I think there is too a movement towards having a distillery, having people coming to you, kind of being more regional versus trying to be wide distribution and whatnot. So it's, you know, we, we talk about some, we talked about a previous episode with someone about craft beer and how like you had so many craft breweries, so many craft beers, and it kind of diluted the overall beer market to where people just like, it's too many options. I'm just going to drink Miller Lite or, you know, or whatever those staples. So it's exciting for the category because there's going to be, you know, new, exciting flavors, new talent you know a lot of jobs created but it's also like all right let's make sure we don't dilute the market as well yes yeah i agree but you got to remember this is we get caught up in the world of thinking about bourbon this is gin this is vodka that's this true is yeah liqueurs this is all the other stuff that this whiskey might even not even be in some other portfolio too so do you guys view it like i get a sense like is that just more competition now like oh man like or do you get like you know, this, hey, they're growing, we should be growing. Like, are we growing at the same pace? Do you guys start to think about that and compare yourselves to those numbers? Uh, they there, always get caught in the comparison chase. Yeah, there's compare. I think it's, you look at at winery or wines, I guess, that's where I try to compare, you know, the whiskey category too. And, and I think there's definitely room for, you know, there's so many, you go in the Napa Valley and there's so many mom and pop wineries producing incredible products. So I, I think that's where craft can fit in in the whole whiskey world because really the whiskey world is 90 percent by those big six you know same mash bills different ages you know different labels and there's not much variety i guess so i i think this is definitely good for the category to make it more interesting you know obviously it's going to take a lot of these craft stories to figure things out and get to producing a quality product but i think there's been so much you know good craft whiskey being made the last 10 years i think that that time is shortening that it takes people to figure out going from, you know, start to producing good products. Uh, you know, still Austin's proved that, you know, in a very short time, um, the holiday folks. And so I, I think there's, I think it's a good thing for the category. There's a question for you guys. You know, you talk to a lot of craft distillers. How many of them do you think long game, like what percentage would you say are long game in it to be acquired? And how many of it are like, you know, like the craft breweries where they're like, fine, we'll run a restaurant and be a regional player. And, and this is enough for us to sustain yeah. our family so kind of thing. It's interesting. So when I went to Moonshine University, there's, you know, about 50 people that want to start their own craft distillery. And it's 95 percent of the time. It's not to come this big brand that wants to go. It's more because they're they're interested in creating something, building something at their farm or at their, you know, something for their family, a job that they enjoy, they love. And so it, I think it's more 
creating a, a something, a passion project for them. I think the majority of that's what, what it is. Yeah, I think a lot of these are going to be very small, right? Yeah. You have, you have the mid-tiers. You have your Blue Runs. You have your Penelopes. You have your your Sagamores, those kind of people that are kind of like really big in consideration of, of a lot of these other ones because they have millions of dollars of funding behind them and stuff like that. And those are the types of brands when you have millions of dollars in funding and you have millions of dollars that are being invested into it, those aren't going to say like, oh, I can't wait to make $150,000 a year, right? They want 5X, 10X multiples on what they're putting into it. And so the more money you're putting into it, the more money you want to get out of it. And so I would imagine to say that a lot of these people that are doing the craft distillery route, they're they're not looking for the buyout. They're not looking to be the next Penelope. That's just not what it is. Like they're just looking to just kind of like have a home, sell some products, have a good, have a decent living with it, but without having to worry about corporate overlords and having sales reps in every single region and all this other kind of stuff too. Yeah. And I think, especially with like the brands you all mentioned, they have like some really good age statements now, you know, six years, seven years now on holiday. And I probably couldn't tell you about holiday four years ago, three years ago. Right. So yeah, that tells me that some of those are definitely in it for the long haul. I agree with you. Yeah. And so this was our another big headline. I kind of messed up at the very beginning, but New Rift Distilling has announced that their head distiller, Brian Sprantz, has now been named Master Distiller. And so this is the first designation in the distillery's history. Sprantz has been with the company since inception in 2014, and ahead of the distillery's founding in 2014, he was recruited as head distiller by New Rift founder, co-owner, and CEO Ken Lewis, who you've probably had heard on the show before. And Ken always said that rather than hiring a distiller to understood that the fermentation is where the spirits flavors are created and distillation only concentrates them. So to Lewis, Brantz's extensive expertise in fermentation as a former brewer for the Boston Beer Company in Cincinnati spoke for itself. Upon joining New Riff, he was mentored by consultant and master distiller and godfather of rye whiskey, Larry Ebersold, and an unrivaled authority in the world of distillation and American whiskey. Together with New Rift co-founder Jay Arisman, they launched the distillery and laid the foundation for the flavor profiles of its spirits and aging regimen. So what's the difference between a master and a head distiller? <laughs> Probably, here's the thing. How often do you work for a company and you reach a ceiling and you're at a pay gap and you're like, what's next? Where do I go? And what are they going to do? They'd be like, well, we don't have a master distiller. We'd be like, we got to give you a senior head distiller. Like there's only so many, I mean, that's as bad as it sounds is like when you get big and you get corporate, you have to have this sort of like, you have to have a, a hierarchical structure. You have to have something that people can work towards or attain. And most people are not going to be content with just doing the same cycles day in, day out. They want to be working towards another title or another pay increase. Yeah, you, especially if you've been doing something for a few years and you feel like you've been doing a good job, which New Riff has been doing a fantastic job, you elevate him and then maybe get a next person in line to do the day-to-day -day stuff and maybe now he could travel more as you expand, right? Something like that. So I, I just want to say congratulations because actually one of my first articles for Malt was on the Maltster Wheat and I interviewed Brian and he promised me that Maltster Wheat would come back someday and still to this day. They have not <laughs> yeah, so Brian, go. now that you're the master distiller. Look yeah, they, they've done a fantastic job because they've really take Kentucky style methods and but really focused on grains to provide flavor as their differentiator and their their products. And so it's really fascinating and cool that they can, you know, kind of take a craft approach, but do it with traditional Kentucky distilling, like on a column still, you know, the the charring and typical char and white oak uh, rickhousing 
aging methods and combine those two together because typically they're kind of split apart. You know, you kind of have like, oh, we're just going to make a clean distillate and let the barrel do most of the mat- the flavor addition, whereas they're kind of mixing the craft world and the, the big factory distilling world together. Yeah, I would love to actually see more stuff from Nuriff where if they really put so much emphasis on the distillation side, been like, then I want you to get some basic barrels and some really cool barrels and see what happens, right? And let's see what actually happens to that whiskey. I mean, I know they've got some Kelvin stuff. They got some IC stuff. They got a lot of stuff everywhere, but they don't really talk about that as much from the the barrel side. It's always it's always on distillation. Yep. Yeah. And I do appreciate that packaging because it's not the same old packaging. It's not named after some, you know, mythical figure that might have. And I love the episode that you guys did with the ownership because, I mean, that's a guy you root for. Oh, yeah. It was one of my favorites. It was a like listening and actually being a part of how I built this. It was kind of a, a really <laughs> opportune and cool thing for me. But enough about me. Let's keep going here. So Diageo has lost its appeal to dismiss a lawsuit brought against by a couple claiming that their property has been damaged by the angel share vapor from whiskey warehouses. Thomas and, and by the way, this is not here in the States. This is actually across the States. This is a Thomas and Gail Chalmers or Chalmers, whatever it is. They live in Bonnie Bridge, Scotland, and they first sought legal action back in 2014. Their house sits approximately around 350 meters from Diageo's warehouses in Bonnie Bridge. The pair alleges that the ethanol vapors from their warehouses, known commonly as the Angel Share, have produced a black fungus, also known as Bundonia, I think, Compagnesis. I didn't kind of let that part out, which has damaged their house. In a court hearing last year, they were granted permission to pursue legal action against Diageo for allegedly damaging and devaluing their home. They paid around $140,000, or sorry, £140,000 for their house back in 2002, and this was revalued in 2017 to be worth around 190 to £195,000. The couple argues that the value of the house has been reduced by, by approximately 5 to 10% due to the effects of the fungus on properties in the area, and Diageo is always contesting the allegations. Well, all you got to do is power wash that stuff, and, <laughs> it's, it's a, and you're right back at the, the previous value, but yeah. This is a... It's uh, an ongoing Yeah, it's always got to continue. And, yeah, I mean... You should know living in Bardstown. Exactly. It's like you kind of know what you're dealing with. You, you know, Diageo is probably a big economic engine in that community and provides jobs and a reason for even houses to exist in that area. But I get the argument that, you know, since they moved in there in late to whatever, whatever year it was, it's not like their house was there since the 1900s. Then Diageo comes in you know, 70 years later and then, you know, yeah, devalues I'm pretty the sure, house. Like, yeah, it was in 2002, so I'm pretty sure scotch was still being aged the, I, there. Yeah, yeah. Th- it was there. You knew what you were getting into moving into It's it, like so. the people that moved to a golf course, right? And then, yeah. then the window about, breaks and they're yeah. like, oh, what? Ha- I can't believe I li- oh, my window break. And you're like, what do you mean? <laughs> Fun fact, I had a playing partner skull, you know, he had a 60-yard shot, he skulls a wedge, hits a car, and evidently your homeowner's insurance, if you hit a car out on the street, your homeowner's insurance covers it, at least in the state of Illinois. There we go. So don't I've, hold me to I, it. I, Brian Harrell will take before. all legal questions. I was like, oh, God, please hit the roof, not the window. <laughs> <laughs> I I just don't. I try to golf in areas where there's, like, no obstruction whatsoever. Uh, it's just wide open fields. Get the snap hooks in you, and you're like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can't aim far enough right. All right, so here's our last article. It's not really ish, kind of ish bourbon related, but shout out to another listener. His name's Bucky. He's, he found this article and he said, you guys need to talk about this on This Week in Bourbon. So a Kentucky city has come up with an out-of-this-world campaign to promote tourism. The Lexington Convention and Visitors Bureau used an infrared laser beam 
as a message and put a message into space to invite extraterrestrial travelers. So the first thing you'll notice as you descend to the Earth's atmosphere above central Kentucky is the lush green countryside that surrounds Lexington's vibrant city center. And that's our famous bluegrass, the message begins. It goes on describing gentle rolling hills, horse farms, and bourbon before suggesting places to stay and eat and shop. The idea for the campaign came from a recent UFO revelation and advances in deep space imaging that have fueled the belief that we are not alone in the universe. The Visitors Bureau said in a statement this month announcing the move, that the agency said it will continue to work with scientists and scholars to beam the message towards potentially habitable planets in the TRAPPIST-1 solar system, which is 40 light years away. However, it could take a while to get an answer. The agency said it will take at least 40 years for the, to get to its intended target and could take another 40 years to receive any response. Well, and assuming they know how to read the letters they put on. <laughs> Just like, you're, you're going you're gonna to listen to it be like, yeah. oh, how weird, we all know English. I'm, I'm not going to walk in front of that laser beam. That part thing's, if it's going to space, it'll probably blind your ass. You know? <laughs> it will be great when the aliens come off the ship with a Kentucky draw, right? Like, yeah. We're like, howdy, y'all. <laughs> Where's my wax coaster? <laughs> Let it be known the Kentuckian did that, did that caricature accent there. Got any Blantons? Yeah. Yeah, there we oh, go. Yeah, that'd that'd be, that'd be the... show up. <laughs> what's, what's all the Blantons fuss about? I can't wait to see the memes. I just can't oh, wait. Oh, yeah. No, but I mean, honestly, I've seen all the pictures from the, the Hubble telescope and that sort of stuff. It is absolutely fascinating and it just it truly makes you feel like how small and just it's like how much that. you yeah. don't matter to this world and this universe and everything when you know they show it and they're like you see every dot out there like yeah there's like four million dots like that's a solar system like that's other planets like that's like what we have with our sun and the 15 things swimming around us there's that's all those too so it's just amazing it's hard to wrap your head around it truly is yeah and supposedly we got the extra planet that that loops on a different loop, right, within our solar system that we can't even know about. Oh, see, I'm not even that smart. I have no idea. Yeah, I I'm don't too know. deep into it. I'm too deep into it. I just I just hope that they're nice. I just hope when they show <laughs> yeah, up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I hope that they do want blends. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. all they want. Yeah, you go. <laughs> show up for some blends and some sin. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is in. Yep. All right. Well, that's all for the bourbon news. But stick around. We got some bourbon release news. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. 
Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase. And go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Bourbon Release News Time. And as usual, we only got a few things to talk about. And the first one, it was in the headlines. And that's the Green River Distilling. You know them as a part. They were acquired by Bardstown Bourbon Company last year. They're going to double down to 24 with the release of its highly anticipated Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. So Green River Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey is comprised of 95% rye and 5% malted barley. The whiskey is a blend of four to six-year-old barrels that have all been distilled, aged, and bottled at Green River Distilling, which is DSPKY10, located in Owensboro. It'll be 95 proof and has a price tag of a mere $35. You know, it is interesting about Bardstown and Green River that they didn't do a more Kentucky rye style. They went more with the Indiana style of the 95.5. You think Larry Ebersold was the <laughs> Probably. Uh, consultant exactly. on that? Exactly. This is the only way to make rye whiskey. I don't know if he sounds like that or not, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we love the 95.5 that Bardstown's made. I've had the 95.5 rye from Green River, but it was like, it was younger. It was like two to three years old. So I'd be interested to see how it's developed. It was on a really great trajectory. So I did read this really nice article about, I think the spirits business did it about how rye is starting to really pick up traction, not just here, but over in in Europe. And so I, I love rye whiskey. I don't know why people, more people don't like it, you know, because they because bourbon's the hot topic and you you go to the bourbon now and you look at all the bourbon and the rye is behind you and nobody turns around to look at the rye but stores are starting to get smarter and they're going to put the bourbon and the rye together on the shelf i think it's the green letters i think everybody does a green label on it's well i mean we're guilty as charged but that's that's just what people associate with right and so you're like well it's got to be green we should have went reverse. <laughs> the bourbon's going to be green and the rye's going to be orange. You get a bunch of returns. Just really confuse everybody. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I wrote a, a review of the old Overholt, which is Kentucky style, which they claim is Kentucky style on the back, but they don't really release the mash bill. And I had Brian Hara, Sipping Corns, you know, jump in on my article and he was talking, I he's talked in the past about, does Kentucky need to define what their style of rye is? Because Indiana has actually had state legislature that defines what an Indiana style rye is. And and I think they have kind of like a claim because of all the MGP that's built brands out here just based on that 95.5 style. Like, yeah, I kind of get that. Brian's kind of on the fence about whether Kentucky needs to, you know, do that barely rye where it's 51 percent. But even that, he says, is actually traditionally like a Maryland style or a Virginia style, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. style. You know, so there's not truly like a Kentucky style of rye. But, yeah, it's interesting to hear you guys say, you know, which would it be? I'm all in on trying it because guess what? Like Green River, those two bourbons they released for under 40 bucks this year. Like they're another one that I had to call out for 23. Like they were huge. I, yeah. Quality stuff at a really affordable price. It's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to compete, isn't it? All right. So our next one is, and you can take a little bit of break. This is actually kind of long. I don't know why I pasted so much stuff in here, but here we go. Patricia Green Sellers is one of Oregon's longstanding top producers of Pinot Noir and Sauvignon Blanc, and they're releasing their first two whiskeys. The 2020 wildfires devastated many of Oregon's wineries vintage, leaving them with acrid and unsellable wine. A chance encounter with distiller Lindsay Sardle led to the idea that not only to distill the tainted wine, but incorporate the resulting distillate in a distinctive whiskey that reflects Oregon's abundant landscape. The two whiskeys, Multifarious and Purple Karma Pinnacle, 
are the two whiskeys that will be sold by Patricia Green Cellars under the moniker of Patty Green Whiskey Distillers. So Patty Green Whiskey Distillers has purchased barley and rye from local farmers who had planted a wide array of experimental and heritage strains to create whiskeys that incorporated the best aspects of both grain and grape. The use of brandy created using the smoke-tainted harvest rather than the traditional corn distillate allows for both to be instantly recognizable of whiskey-based aromatics and flavor, as well as the textural component that carries the flavor to superior levels of complexity. While these are the first rare bottlings that will be truly one-of-a-kind spirits, the winery will continue to make whiskeys and release them as they become ready in the foreseeable future. The first two bottled whiskeys are named, again, Multiferous, which is a blend of three strains of barley, as well as a nod to the name of the winery's high-end Pinot Noirs, and Purple Karma Pinnacle, which is the name of the Tibetan heritage barley from which the whiskey is distilled. The Multiferous was aged in both charred French oak and organ oak barrels with 137 cases that were bottled at 98 proof. And the Purple Karma Pinnacle is the incredibly rare bottling at only 37 cases presented at cask strength of 112 proof. Future releases will include strains such as Franson Barley, Baroness Barley, Gazelle Rye, and Dark Northern Rye. All the grains are sourced from farms located in Oregon and currently all sales of the small batch whiskeys are going to be running through their winery. Okay. So let me get this straight. They're it's not di- bourbon. They're distilling. Okay. But is it even whiskey if you're, because I thought not whiskey had grain. to be made from a grain. And Listen, they said they took some grapes. They took a bunch of barley. They put it all together. That's all I got, man. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. I kind of, I'm interested in that because I, I do like both brandy and whiskey. So it'd be interesting to see how they come, come distilled together. So i I think it's interesting. Yeah. Talk about innovation. Yeah. I'll I'll take I'll take a sample if they send it, but I do want to make a controversial statement here. Oregon Pinots, I think better than California. Oh, really? Hands down. Yeah. I mean, unless you get uh, the Pinots in the Carneros Valley are f- f- outstanding, but Willamette Valley Pinots definitely trump yeah, California. I, I, I'm 100% on board with that. Okay. Just has the perfect climate for it. It's nice and damp, cool, moderate, and where you don't get that in California, only in certain regions. You guys are way cooler than I am. I'm just like, oh man, red wine, I'll drink that. Like you all know your regions and No, everything. I I'm gonna be honest. I was on vacation in Naples and I was like, oh, Oregon, let's see what they got. And I loved it. And ever since then, like I just gravitate towards that. And it's just like contrarian, right? Because everybody's always doing the California stuff. So yeah. I've grown to like it. Yeah. 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 California Pinots tend to be a little more lighter. Easier to drink, whereas the Willamette Valley just have, they're more deeper, richer. Is that like so, a Malbec more style? Yeah, exactly. So it, I, I just, I love them because sometimes Pinots can be just a little too light for me. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. I'll pick up a bottle and I'll see if I concur with you all. Yep. So Nelson's Greenbrier is introducing their Nelson's Brothers Maple Cask Finish. Crafted by aging Nelson Brothers Classic Bourbon into carefully selected maple finish barrels, the Nelson Brothers Maple Cask Finish offers a unique flavor profile new to the brand. Priced at $125, it will be available at the Music City Distillery starting on Friday, January 26th, which is today. So, you know, I know this is a very, like, polarizing. Well, not polarizing. I know it's very popular. People are loving maple and honey. He doesn't like Mounties. And, And I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm like, you know, I'm trying these. And at what point does it turn into just being a cocktail? Because, like. You know, you have so much honey, so much maple influence that, that, you know, and how much maple and how much honey remaining in the barrel is too much. And, you know, I, I get it. People love it. But it's like it's like sometimes when I drink 
you know, a, a honey finished, I think I'm drinking like a gold rush or something or vice versa. I'm drinking a maple old fashioned. It's like, I don't know. It, it's a confusing kind of category for me. It's like what, what, you can get wild turkey honey or Knob Creek maple for very inexpensively that have a almost very similar flavor profile to me. I'm with you. I actually was going to say that I need to dive into this category like a little bit more, but I don't want to. Because every time I've had like a maple finished bourbon, I'm just underwhelmed, to be honest with you. And I, I feel like people say they like it more than they actually do like it. You know, like I've had some like local ones by us that come like true, like w- grain to glass whiskey places and they do the maple thing. And I'm just like underwhelmed every time. Like I'm paying like 45 bucks for like a 375. And I was just like, like, I like Widow Jane Decadence. Like that's that's not bad, you know, but none of these ever like rock my socks to the tune of $100. Yeah, it's it's tricky, especially when you get into these finishing things and you're asking high premium values for it, too. Yeah, 120 is a lot. Well, and think about, like, for $120, how much badass Nelson Greenbrier stuff could you buy? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like, like, victim of your own success. Like, is it actually better than what you already produce? Or you could take some actual Nelson's Greenbrier stuff and then go buy some crazy, like, expensive maple syrup and just make your own. And then you've got stuff left over for pancakes, too. And it might just rock your pancake in your waffle world. And you don't even know about it. That's why I refuse to do any honey finishes, because I love gold rushes. Like, I, I, I'm with you on the gold rush train. Like, I'd rather buy, like, make my own gold rush than do a honey finished anything. Yeah. With you. All right, but the so market I, doesn't think that way. No, sure doesn't. <laughs> they sell, like, hotcakes. <laughs> so here's the last one we'll get into. And that's that. And I think it's already sold out. So who knows it even matters anymore. But Woodford Reserve has released its highly anticipated expression of double, double oaked bourbon for 2024. It's part of an annual series that celebrates master distiller Elizabeth McCall's commitment to innovation and craftsmanship. You notice how they did a copy, cut, paste between Elizabeth <laughs> Chris and is out Chris. Now. Yeah, Chris is out. He's finally in. out. Yep. And so the product will be available in limited quantities at the Woodford Reserve Distillery starting, well, it was back on January 23rd, back on this past Tuesday. And customers are limited to two 375 ml bottles of double double oaked and it's made by finishing fully matured woodford reserve double oaked for an additional year in second heavily toasted lightly charred new oak barrels the extra year in the barrel creates a bourbon that is distinctly spicier than its original counterpart which is also known for its sweeter taste and finish double double oaked is presented at woodford standard 90.4 proof and has a suggested retail price of 80 dollars for a 375 okay is this, this isn't once a year. It's like every other year or something. Or is I think it, it's once a year. Is it once a year? I mean, it's once a year. Okay. It's an annual series. It sounds like I made a big mistake making this my first stop. I should have gone over to Woodford Reserve <laughs> yeah. is what you're saying. You can, you can stop on the way back. I'm pretty sure they're sold out already. I thought that's Well, I don't think it's on it. your way back. It's out of your way. Yeah. It's back true. to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, it, I mean, so it's a triple oaked, essentially, right? Well, no, they take their, they, they have, okay, yes, I guess technically it is triple oaked if you don't count that first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is why I was being confused by this thing, right? Because technically if it's, it's double oaked. doubled, then it's four. <laughs> and it's not sweeter. Yeah. Because the first double oak says that it makes it sweeter. And then the second double oak makes it spicier. I don't know. I'm just what, reading the What, in the, the 1910? Like. <laughs> yeah. 1910 sweeter, for sure. I'm just reading the press release, guys. I could, no, I know. I, I, I actually, I enjoyed the double double oaked more than the. Double oak. So. I can't remember the last time I had a double double oak, so I'd have to go and try it and figure out. Because the last double oak I had, I think it was a barrel that we picked a long time ago, probably at least two years ago, and it yeah. tasted like waffles and maple syrup. How <laughs> weird we kind of came back to that. Yeah, no strange. honey needed. That's right. <laughs> but that's it, guys. That's this week in bourbon. Yep. Nice and easy this time. So thank you, everybody, for listening, tuning in. They'll be back again next week with more news and everything like that. More Taylor Swift songs. More Taylor Swift opening. But before we leave, 
Matt, you want to give a plug for people where they can find you, learn more about you? Absolutely. I'm on all the, so- all the socials at, at, Matt, at Matt Cusick. I hit this so much better in the initial recording. And then if you guys want to read my long-form whiskey reviews, go and check me out at maltreview.com. And your other podcast. Oh, and if you are a sneakerhead who loves golf and all things sneakers, check me out as co-host of the Swoosh Life podcast. There we He's go. one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever, maybe because it's the only sneakerhead I've talked to, but <laughs> he's go. very knowledgeable in the sneaker world. There we go. All right. Well, cheers, everybody. See you next week. Toodles.